Hello, I'm Bruce Sinclair, and welcome to this podcast from Jordan Hill Parish Church, during which we will share in reading, reflection and prayer for Sunday the 6th of February 2022, the fifth Sunday after Epiphany. Today our readings come from the Gospel of Luke and from the Old Testament from Isaiah. Our hymns today are sung by the Lansdowne Parish Church Choir and Dunblane Cathedral Choir. We have come to worship God, the living God, who calls fishermen and prophets to come and follow. We have come to praise God, the Almighty God, who answers the forces of hatred and hurt with the power of love and forgiveness. We have come to follow Jesus, who chooses even you and me to leave what we cling to and carry the word of life and hope. Let us worship God. Our first reading is taken from Isaiah, chapter 6, reading from verse 1 to 8. We listen for God's word. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. 
Amen. And our gospel reading is taken from Luke chapter 5, reading from verse 1 through to 11, the call of Jesus' first disciples. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word.
is something very endearing in the picture of Jesus needing some space away from the crowds. Claustrophobia, of course, is a very real concern for some that dictates their involvement in many social activities and life, through to even modes of transport and where they go. And if you've ever travelled on any subway train during rush hour, I am sure you can relate. People pressing in, squeezing into the carriage, desperate to carry on their journey, the carriage swaying with every turn, the jostling to keep hold of the grab rail, whilst simultaneously keeping an eye out to see if you can navigate a path to the doors when it's your time to alight. One of the effects of the last two years has been the way we react in crowds and enclosed spaces. For some, it has heightened a real concern of being in close proximity to others and brought to the forefront of many minds the need for space and ventilation. Something we know all too well in many Scottish churches, as we ask everyone to dress warmly for Sunday services and to sit closer to the front away from the draughts. And no, we're not going to cut off two inches from the bottom of each door to increase ventilation. The other side of this, the desire for space, can lead to less interaction with people and a detrimental effect on community, which is why we are all so keen to bring back community activities and church events. We really need one another. Jesus not only needs the space, he wants to use the space so that he can speak to people and be with people. So thick were the numbers in the crowd that Jesus calls into service one of the local fishing boats. They cast off into the Sea of Galilee, or Lake Gennesaret, as Luke calls it here. Jesus can now use this natural amphitheatre to make his voice carry further to all the people. We find the fishermen busy packing up after a discouraging day. Nothing was caught in their nets. It is Simon that Jesus calls to and makes use of his boat. I often wonder if it was exasperation that crossed Simon's mind at having to set out again, or if it was hope that he might receive some recompense for the use of his boat that day. However, every indication is that he did, it, did so willingly. After Jesus has spoken to the crowds, he turns to Simon and sparks up a conversation with him about Simon's work, about fishing, about his livelihood, his life, about his bread and butter income that is discouraging him so much at this time. And mid-conversation, Jesus instructs him to cast his net over the other side of the boat. We can all but hear Simon sigh and do what he's asked. He throws the net overboard and, well, we know the result. More fish that can fit in the boat, enough for two boats. And that's when it happens. The fear begins to set in. These fisher folk have worked the sea all their days. At no time have they seen anyone like this, even with all the patience that they've learned to work with. 
such a command over the very forces of nature. This is truly miraculous to have control over nature itself. Jesus has no grand words or proclamations, which serves to make Simon even more in awe. He declares his guilt and anxiety, exclaiming that he's not worthy in Jesus' presence. Yet this doesn't deter Jesus. He doesn't care for someone's status. Lay down your nets. Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people and not fish. It all began with a conversation about work. Through a conversation about work, Simon was caught as a disciple, and that work that devoured much of his life and his energy. This is a defining time for many of those disciples, a time of transition and call, where patience gives way to dedication, and dedication gives way to call. There are certain events in life where time seems to stop still. There are also moments that divide time. What was before is changed and is no more. Today marks 70 years since Her Majesty the Queen succeeded to the throne and marks a year of celebration. Yet today also marks the death of her father, King George VI. 70 years of call and service. 70 years of a life changed by one day in history. 70 years that have been marked by gracious dedication through good and through bad. History is marked by many of these moments, moments where time has changed. So also are our personal lives. Some events joyful, a marriage proposal, a birth, success at a job interview. Some events more difficult, the ending of a relationship, a death, a redundancy. Isaiah, in our reading, had one of those moments too. It defined the rest of his life. It was almost as if he was born anew that day in the temple, when he saw God in such immensity that the hem of God's garment filled the entire temple. <clears throat> then God reached out. And in an image that startles us, Isaiah's lips were touched by a burning coal held in a pair of tongs by a seraph. It was a decisive moment. He could no longer talk in simple terms. Isaiah was transformed from something with little to say to someone with much to say, because an understanding of what God was saying and doing in the world had become so sharply real to him. God has called people throughout all of history to come and follow, and is still calling today, to make the world better, safer, brighter, happier and kinder. And they find themselves saying, here I am, send me. Each of us, at different times and in different ways, have made different promises and made different vows. Maybe we need to revisit them. Is there something else God needs 
or the world needs from us? Is there something that we need to lay down so that we can pick up something new? Do we need to look at familiar things that need refreshing? Or do we need to open our eyes and ears and see the new things for us at least that we are being called to do now? This story, of course, doesn't stop here. Jesus still comes to us and says, do not fear. Jesus still comes and calls us to do things that we can't yet imagine. Jesus isn't finished calling people who know their doubts and their failures, their past mistakes and their own inadequacies. Jesus still calls us, because that is what God's word does. It calls us to be disciples always. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and loving God, we thank you for the call to follow Jesus Christ that stretches out to us, that call to service, to sharing in the work of your kingdom. We thank you for that call and that you call to us as we are, with all our own faults, all our doubts, all our fears. Yet you have still chosen us, not through our own deserving, but through your love and mercy. We ask very simply, but with great sincerity, help us to respond in Christ's name. O oh God, we pray for our often confused, torn and heartbroken world. Listening carefully to the rhythm of life that bustles on our streets and towns and cities, our countryside and villages, places and time that we hear that underlying heartbeat of true hopes and fears, both known and unknown to us, fears for our world, our country, for politics, for a place and time in the midst of transition and challenge. And so we pray with hope that your call will extend to the healing of the world, that your will may be done, that there will be restoration, healing and life. Hear our prayer for all the hurt and anger that's found in the world. Hear our prayer for those who fear the hands of oppression and hatred. Hear our prayer for those who have been forgotten and are lost. Hear our prayer for the lonely, the sick or the hurting. Hear our prayer for those who have been bereaved. Hear our prayer for those who are sure, not sure of where to turn. Your call, O Lord, is for a world filled with justice and peace, compassion and love that fills every corner so that all may know their own value and true worth. We pray that all who are called may hear, and all who hear respond, each in our own way, fashioned by your gifts 
that you have given us. We pray together, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for joining with me today for this time of worship. Let us go now, built in spirit, built in faith, to love and serve the Lord, loving one another, building communities of faith and hope. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and all those you love this day and every day. Amen.